Well, I got to confess to you that um, when I was trying to put together, well, what am I going to share at Christmas? We want to talk about hope. We want to talk about peace, joy, love, and all the thong- songs that we, we sing that are about the greatest gift of all and, and Christmas. And then this last couple of weeks with some of the things I've been dealing with in ministry that I've been doing, God kept taking me back to, to James chapter 1. So if you'll turn in your Bibles there to James chapter 1. And over the last few days, it's, it's one of those things where I'm such an uh, OCD, like everything, to be just in its place. I'm a perfectionist, let's just be honest. And I have a friend of mine who would come into my office, and he would move things around and slightly t- turn them just ever so much, off balance, you know, just stuff just to mess with me. And it was a game to see if I would notice. And I did. My friend's no longer with us. Just kidding. <clears throat> But, you know, I began to transition my thought. You know, sometimes when we want to make our world just what we want it to be, God has a way of allowing things to come into our life to just kind of move us a little bit. Because last time I was with you, I shared with you from Philippians chapter 3 that we should fix our focus on Jesus Christ. Because if we're focused on him, the author and perfecter of our faith, and we run this race and we keep on running toward the finish line, there... We're not running as blinded individuals. We see all that is around us, and we minister to their felt needs as we go. But our focus is on him. But if we get our focus off of him, everything goes south. Just like Peter walking on the water in the middle of the night. See someone coming to him, and they were afraid. And he cried, it's a ghost. And Peter said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you. Because I want to be with you. But he didn't say just command me to come to you. He said command me to come to you on the water. Because he wanted to be with Christ and he wanted to be like Christ. He wanted to do it just like him. So his desire was to be with Christ. And so I question you today, say, what is your desire? Because Christmas really is all year long. We have seasons. And in my ministry, I write updates. And so every year I try to pick out some theme that I'm going to follow through the year. And uh, a year ago it was impact. And I carried a rock around in my pocket every day to remind me that I'm an impact player. Doesn't matter how big the water is, if it's still stagnant, whatever. When I throw my little rock, when I make an impact, there's going to be a ripple effect. And I want to jump in the middle of someone's life, their mess, and I want to give them a message of hope and make an impact. And in doing so, I want to train them and transfer what I know and desire into their world so they can go do what hopefully I equip and encourage them to do. That's what discipleship is. You know, in the churches across America I've had the opportunity to be in, so many of them bring them to an altar. And they never take them to a cross. The first time they hear or talk about a cross is at Easter. You know, Jesus was hung on a cross. But you know he would have never been hung on a cross if he never came to a manger where it all started. And so today I want to talk about trials. And I want to do it with the twists with Christmas. Because Jesus faced the biggest trial. Imagine being hung on a cross for your sin. Imagine God or me having to give my only son, Josiah, to pay the sin debt of the world because they deserved it. And yet I gave my only son to pay that price. That'd be a huge trial I don't think I could bear. So if you'll turn in James chapter 1, we'll read it together. And know that this is a a season, but Christmas just just isn't in the time. Well, in commercialization, it starts about uh, September after Labor Day or Halloween. But a lot of times Christmas, say, ah, December. Jesus is the reason for the season. Seasons, greetings, happy holidays. I hate that term. They'll say it to me at the bank, whatever, and I go, hey, happy holy days and merry Christ-filled Christmas. Just kind of look at me. 
Because I want them not to water down the message. And so today the message is one I pray will encourage you. Because the holidays can be hard. Trials just kind of um, exacerbate issues in your world. You got financial pressures. Oh, Christmas makes that pretty obvious. You got relational issues and Christmas really makes that obvious. You got families that are in disarray and you got to go to 14 different places to celebrate and have joy to the world at all these different homes and houses. So today I pray we can encourage you from James chapter 1. James, a bondservant, a servant of God, and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad, I bring greetings. In verse 2, it says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. So, if you're taking notes, number, number one, the first point, it would be, because Jesus is the reason for the season, let's, let's celebrate the reason for our trials. Celebrate the reason. Why? Because he says, consider it all joy. I don't know, but when joy comes to the world, I celebrate. When my kids do certain things, it brings me great joy, and we celebrate. When I overcome a hurdle, it's a joyous event. When I got married, it was a joyous event. When our little boy came into the world, it was joy, and I celebrated. I wanted the world to know that little man has been born. Want to know something? When little man was born in a manger, he became a giant to save the world. We want to celebrate Celebrate the reason. Consider it all joy. Now, here's the kicker. When. When you. Not if you, but when you face those trials. You know, he endured a lot of things. I was thinking as my wife was watching a rerun because Reuben Stuttered was on The Biggest Loser. And having had the opportunity to meet Reuben, I found it kind of a personal thing and I wanted to you know, kind of engage and find out what was going on in, in that circumstance. And it took me to the illustration of this, that so many times, if you're a fan of Biggest Loser, because Stan told you he watched me grow up, he just hadn't been around to watch me grow out. And, uh, but in The Biggest Loser, we had a friend of ours, Stephanie Bannister. Stephanie was, along with another lady in our church, Sandra, they were behind the scenes working to become Biggest Loser partners a couple seasons ago. You know, and worked hard, and it was like a lot of work. Multiple calls, letters, go to St. Louis, do this. And you cannot believe how hard they have to work and the things they got to do to get on The Biggest Loser. And then I'm watching The Biggest Loser, and I see what they put them through, and I see people that are just wanting to bail out. I'm going, you came all this way, and you're going to quit? Are you crazy? I mean, they're paying you to hang out there, feed you right, help you exercise, and you're getting paid to do it. And you're going to go out and write books and do videos and become celebrities after it. So celebrate the reason you're there. And I was watching this particular episode where Reuben was just about to give up. So when you have trials, let me encourage you. Hey, you didn't come this far to quit. And he didn't bring you this far because he said when you face them, count on all joy. And there's a reason he's doing it for. So celebrate the reason. God doesn't do anything by accident. He's a purposeful God. He loves you. If he didn't love you, he wouldn't have sent his only begotten to die for you. So celebrate that. So here's Reuben at the, at the Biggest Loser ready to just throw in the towel. I encourage you, don't do that. You maybe give out, but don't give up. Celebrate. Remember the, the message in Philippians that said, I can do what? All things. Through who? Through Christ. Who what? Strengthens me. For when I am weak, his strength is perfected, made complete in me. 
So I encourage you today, in the grand scheme of things, the big picture, celebrate. Celebrate the reasons for the trial. And celebrate those, that reason all year long. I was listening to Christmas music with my little boy. My, my son, he cannot read and he cannot write. But he loves music. And I'm so grateful for that. My son can memorize music. Unbelievable. He hears it, and he'll sing it at the top of his lungs, off-key. I mean, I, sometimes I say, are, are Sally singing or is Sia singing? Because he has this really high-pitched falsetto voice. It's hilarious, except when you're in a closed-encountered car going down the interstate. And he'll sing the old hymns. And, and I put in an old cassette tape. Some of you don't remember what that is. Cassette tape, one of the little bitty things. And, uh, and I put in a cassette tape at the house. And Lauren L. Harris sang a song entitled, All Year Long. And, and I wish I would have brought that, because I would have loved to have played it for you. But the, he writes a song talking about a story. You know, he braced that old ladder with all of his might and shouted, Dad, have no fear. As he stretched high to store the stockings and trim in the attic for another year. They were busily packing their Christmas away and singing the carols they knew. When his little boy asked him, do we store away Jesus too? See, Christmas is all year long. Tis the season to obey. May the Christmas tree lights and the sleigh rides at night remind us all to stay in God's presence all year long. So today, in the trials that you face, because you're going to face them, you are facing them, celebrate the reason. Verse 3, knowing, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Isn't it nice to know when you're doing something it matters? Have you ever been on a project or an assignment going, does this really matter? Is what I'm doing really important? I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I'm just a lowly little guy over here. But remember who's writing this. James, a bond servant of God. You see, first you must be a servant to the leader before you can ever become the leader. And I remind myself of that in my home. God, help me to serve you so I can serve my wife. Help me to serve you so I can serve my children. Help me to serve my family first. First my father, then my family, so that my faith will be an impact, make a ripple effect. Because you know what? If the light's not very bright at home, it's not going to be very bright outside the walls. So I celebrate when God allows things to come into my life. But not only do I celebrate the reason... I consider or I calculate the result. I consider the result. Or if you're like me because I'm a very, you know, detailed guy, I'm always calculating. Numbers matter to me. So consider or calculate the result. Look at it. Verse 3, knowing by faith we know. We know there's going to be a positive result or outcome. Because has it ever occurred to you that nothing ever occurred to God? Imagine God going, <clears throat> Wow. Didn't quite see that one coming. No, God knows. And he allowed in his amazing grace, in his wisdom, righteousness, and justice, say, you know what? It's all good. I hear kids and I hear adults and they have these t-shirts and it says, who's your daddy? Who your daddy be? I love when I hear that. I say, I know. I know who my daddy is. My Abba Father. That's my daddy. Because you want to know one of the biggest trials I faced in life when my daddy walked out on me, when he abandoned us. But someone told me that, hey, when your earthly father forsakes you, your heavenly father, your daddy, takes up for you. 
And I stand before you six foot five, 300 pounds. And in this big body is a heart that screams, oh, I just want to be loved. I just want to be accepted. I just want to belong. I just want to be part of a family. I just want to fit in. Then you got people out there singing, I want to know what love is. You know? Love. I'm all out of love. I'm so lost without you. It's all about love. You know? What's love got to do with it? Love. They're looking for it. Looking for love in all the wrong places. Looking for love. It's all about love. Jesus is love. He gave you love. And because he loves you, he desired to do a work in your life, to do a work through your life. And in his love, he, he gives you those things to train you, to work you, to stretch you. I love my little boy. I have a doctor that I didn't think loved me. I just had knee surgery the day before Thanksgiving. And it wasn't very fun. And they wanted me to go to this physical terrorist, I mean therapist. And I wasn't quite into that. I just, I'm a numbers guy. I didn't think it very smart and stewardship to go spend 45 bucks and to watch me exercise. And tell me what I already know how to do. Because I'm a 3P defender. I got this down. And so I'm just pushing through and pushing through. And my son's watching me and I'm just trudging. I'm going, you know what? You have to work hard to get where you got to go. And so many times we try to do it all on our own. We think, ah, I've got this. And God says, no, you don't. No. Hey, consider the result or calculate it. Why? Because he's allowing these things for a reason. It's going to do something for you. But he already told you he didn't want you to do it by yourself. And we go through the holy days trying to do it all by ourselves. We're running helter-skelter trying to pack and do this and stuff paper, you guys. This little hint. You know, put something in the bag and stuff this little colored paper in there and it's a nice, pretty little gift. I have a friend who wrote a sticky note as his Christmas card to his wife. I'm like, you cheap dude. You're in trouble. You know, hey, as a friend, let me help you out here, brother. In a Walmart bag and a sticky note, don't quite cut gift wrap. But God gave us the greatest gift wrapped in swaddling clothes. And he knew all the trials that you're going to face with that, hey, keep on keeping on. Knowing, you know for a fact, it says knowing Verse 3, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Now, I told you when I was singing this song, my endurance is low. I cannot imagine how weak and tired I get. I mean, I'm 41 years old, and I thought I was invincible, and this just kept going. I'm going to all these doctors. They're telling me I'm a hypochondriac. I'm depressed. Like, no, doc, but um, you're going to need plastic surgery if you keep talking to me that way. And No, I didn't say that. I just thought it. But as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So... God's still working on me. But if we know that he has a plan and he's a purposeful God, we can keep going, we can keep enduring. Whether it's the biggest loser, that's a play on words, or you feel like the biggest loser, or you're not losing the weight you want to do, or you're not you know, eliminating the debt you're trying to eliminate, you're not building the relationship you're trying to be. Hey, just be faithful. Because he wants you to become weak. You can't do it by yourself. He doesn't want you to do it by yourself. He said... Come unto me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. There's a lot of people I know that sleep at night that don't rest. He said that my strength is perfected in your weakness. Humble yourself because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And he said, cast all your cares on me because I care for you. I sent my son, a little boy born in a manger, to die for you. And then he didn't stop there. He knew you couldn't handle it all by yourself. So he gave the command to the brothers and sisters of Christ to bear one another's. 
to serve one another, to love one another, to encourage one another, to stimulate one another, to restore one another. Because we all have hurts, we all have habits, and we all have hang-ups. But you want to know something? God has the plan. It's called love. Because what does love do? Love covers a multitude of... And we're all... Sinners. And that's something to celebrate. That's something to celebrate. Celebrate the reason he allows that to happen. Consider the result knowing the result is endurance. There's a lot of boys that play college football on the weekends that played hurt. Why? They're enduring because they know the end result. They're the A player. They're the they're starting player. Can I tell you guys, you're all starting players in the game called life. There are no reserves. There are no bench warmers. God doesn't want spectators. He wants participators. And you see, he wants you to get out of the sidelines and get on the playing field because he's only going to be here for a short time. He says, hey, get busy. Get busy. We've got a job to do. The result is endurance. You've got to play hurt sometimes. That hurt could be physical. That hurt could be emotional. That hurt could be financial. Sometimes you've got to keep playing hurt, knowing that God is a God who knows. And your, his strength is perfected in your weakness. You keep on going. That's why I sang today. It'd be hard to get up here and preach when I called it quits, when I gave up or gave in or gave out. Got to play hurt. Hebrews chapter 2 says, hey, so well, let me just turn there real quick. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. It says, therefore, since we are so surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that's those boys back and girls back in Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith we call it. Hey, we got all these people that are... You know, that have gone there before us and done it. Let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. God already planned it. He already knows, remember? Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy to the world. Who for the joy set before him. He endured the cross. The cross despising our shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, for consider him who endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. Stephen Curtis Chat wrote a song, Christmas is all in the heart. I want Jesus to come into my heart. You want to know something? I want Jesus to come into your life. See, I don't want him just like that little home TV program, you know, the uh, uh, extreme home makeover. God doesn't want just to do a makeover. He wants to do an extreme takeover where he comes in and he penetrates your heart, mind, and soul and permeates your life so that what you do and what you're about doing is all about him because it really is all about him. So consider the result. Well, what's the result? The result is endurance. Look at verse 4 of James chapter 1. And let endurance have its perfect result. Perfect What's better than perfect? Perfect, perfect. And let it have its perfect result. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Wouldn't that be the greatest Christmas gift ever? Lacking in nothing. You know, because if you're like me in everyday society, you know, things, the ebb and flow of life, faith-based ministry, it's not easy trying to, I told somebody the other day as a fool, I said I made a very foolish statement, and my wife kind of poof, drilled me, because I wasn't thinking. I said, sometimes it's hard to depend upon people when you're a faith-based ministry. 
when they say they'll invest in you, because people don't want to invest in people. They want to invest in projects. But you know what? Projects are going to burn, but people aren't. And I'm out there blowing and going and investing in people, and I said, sometimes it's hard to trust in people. And my wife will poof. She goes, hey, Dave, it's God that's putting upon the hearts of those people. Yes, ma'am. I get it. So celebrate the reason. Consider or calculate the result. Perfect and complete. Maturity in and through trials. Remember, God does a work in you to do a work through you. He wants you to become mature. He wants you to, to have the struggle so you overcome. I remember teaching my little boy to walk and my little girl. Sometimes you're going to fall down and you're going to bust it. But imagine if we never give our children the opportunity to, quote, fail forward. Then they don't know that there's an opportunity, that there's an obstacle, and you help them back up. And they get on a bike, and they can't quite get it the first time, and you just keep on going. And pretty soon you let go, and you can remember that first time your little boy or little girl rode off into the sunset on that bicycle, and you're like, yes! And then you're praying, oh. And now every day you've got to have, you know, total body armor when you ride. Or, you know, DHR will get you. Not only do we celebrate the reason... Consider or calculate the result, but look at it with me now in verse 5. Call upon God's resources. Call upon God's resources. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So, we saw the exhortation at the beginning to celebrate the reason. And we now see the requirement of personalization. It's a personal thing. You are the one who has to do it. I can't do it for you. I can't say, oh, I want you to... You've got to submit. How? Calling upon God's resources. It says, ask of God who gives to all generously. Well, what does he give us? Look at verse 17, James chapter 1. Every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. Call upon God's resources. Why? Because God is good. Every good and perfect gift. If you're lacking in wisdom, God says, ask. He desires to provide your children. It says, seek me first, the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and what? All these things will be added unto you. God desires to meet your needs. I meet with people all the time saying, I just don't get it. I'm praying to God, praying to God all the time. Talking to God, talking to God. And I'm like, well, is God talking to you? I'm not into audible voices, don't get me wrong. But I find a lot of people who are searching for the answer by one-way conversation. I see that in marriages. I see that in corporations. They'll talk, 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 talk. Want to be the last word, get everything out, be heard. But they never listen. And God just says, hey, call upon me. Because all the words, all the wisdom that you'll ever need, all the direction is found in the scripture. God gave you the road map. He gave you the, the blueprint, so to speak, in his word. And that's where the answer is found. So if you lack, ask and seek. I love Psalm 37. You know, don't fear. Commit your way to the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. God wants to bless you. You know, blessings at Christmas. 
Blessings at Thanksgiving. Blessings on the hottest, most humid day in the summer. Blessings on Valentine's Day when you got broke up with or you're struggling with a relationship. Blessings at a new year. Happy New Year when sometimes it's not really happy. Can I tell you something? I'm probably not the happiest person you've ever met. But you know what I am? I'm full of joy. Happiness is based on circumstances. You'll never take my joy away. Because my joy doesn't come from my circumstances. My joy comes from Jesus. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Joy. Enjoy while you endure. Just like James, or Hebrews chapter 12 said. God is good and God is generous. Because of time, you can go to Proverbs 2, verse 6. And it's God gives us wisdom and understanding. If you lack that, he'll give it to you. He gives us a spirit of wisdom in Ephesians 1.17. But most of the time, people turn to Christ only in a crisis. I've heard people say, Stan and I were talking this morning. I've heard people say, well, I don't believe there's a God. Put them on an airplane at 37,000 feet going over the ocean when you hit the roughest air and you drop about 147 feet. And they call out, oh, my God. Wait a minute, I thought you didn't believe in God. See, they want to call out Christ in a crisis. Well, God left me hanging here. Hey, want to know something? If you don't have a relationship with him and you don't believe in him, it's really hard to trust in him. If you get in a ditch and your tire goes flat at 2 o'clock in the morning, who are you going to call? It ain't Ghostbusters. Who are you calling? You're going to call the friend who sticks closer than the brother. The one who will walk the extra mile with you, that will carry the burden with you. That's what love is. That's where joy comes from. James chapter 1 and verse 8. For, or verse 7. For let not a man expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Can I tell you something? Jesus didn't come as a option or one of the options. He came as the option. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes unto the Father except by me. The only person that could take care of all your trials is the one who gave it to you, and that's Jesus. That's where grace and blood and mercy is still found at the foot of the cross. Bringing him to an altar, that's nice. That doesn't save him. Taking him to a cross is what changes him. Because God didn't say go into all the world and make Christians. He said go into all the world and make disciples. A true follower of Christ I know a lot of people who profess Christ who don't know Christ. I could ask you, and I've done it before, hey, who's George Bush? Oh, uh, he was the president. Is he married? Sure he is, Laura. What, do you, what else? Do you, oh, he was the governor. He has twin girls. He's done this. He's done that. His daddy was a president. You know all about George Bush, and you don't have a clue. You don't know George Bush. I know people can say, yeah, Jesus, he's a carpenter. He lived 33 years, died on a cross. He was a man. He had it going on. He was born in a manger. They tell me a lot about Jesus, and they don't know Jesus. Why? Because to have a relationship with Christ, you have to submit and yield yourself to him. You've got to humble yourself to do that. And in doing so, you've got to call upon him by faith. So now let's look at a strategy. Let's fast forward here. My, my philosophy in life is live today and plan for tomorrow. But live today. Some people say, oh, how you doing? Oh, it's just life. <laughs> no, there's more to this life. Hey, live, not just exist. Live. I've come to give you life, an abundant life, an everlasting life. So live it up. So what, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow you'll die. No, live today in light of eternity. Live today and plan for tomorrow. Because God said, do all things decently and orderly. Not just, hey, let's see what's going to happen, kumbaya. 
No. Live today and plan for tomorrow. So let's look at it. Verse 9. But let the brother of humble circumstances glory in his high position, and let the rich man glory in his humiliation, because like flowering grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass, and its flowers fall off, and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So too the rich man is in the midst of his pursuits. He'll fade away. So here's what I say. Consider your reactions to the trials. Consider your reactions because you want to know something? We just read it. Hey, God's no respecter of persons. He don't care if you're rich, you're poor, you're old, or you're young. He doesn't care. He has a plan and a purpose for you, and he's going to do exactly what he needs to do because he's God. And he knows what to do. He knows your biggest weakness. He knows your biggest strength. And the devil knows your biggest weakness. And so if you want to beat yourself up, he'll give you the billy club and say, have at it. Yeah, joy to the world, bah humbug. He'll let you wear yourself out. So, consider your reactions to your trials. We were given the gift of going to SeaWorld a couple of years ago. And one of the things I've taken away from SeaWorld was there was this lady that was swimming underwater and how long she could hold her breath. And she would go down there and someone would come up and they would pay for something and she'd swim down to the bottom and she'd bring up this uh, shell. And someone would go and pay 15 to $26 for this little shell. And they would cut open this little shell and they'd search around and they'd try to find a pearl. How'd that pearl get there? That pearl was derived from an irritation that got on the inside and just continued to work irritation after irritation after irritation over a long period of time. And people pay good money for an irritation that becomes a pearl. God loves to allow the irritations to come in your life because he wants to make you this beautiful prize, little gem and jewel, a pearl, if you will. This little pure pearl that reminds that people spend big money put all around their, their neck or their bracelets. And now when I see pearls, it's a whole different mindset for me. I go, wow, God, thanks for the irritation. I don't know what you're doing with it. God, I'll be honest with you, I, I, I cry at night. I used to, and I, I admit this in my arrogance, I used to get up eight years ago, I didn't warm up, I got up and just belted it. I mean, I had a range, I could sing powerful, loud and strong, and it was like, I got this. And God has allowed all that to go away. It's probably the biggest heartache in my life. And I battled depression over it. I'm not on medicine for it, but I humbly tell you, I battled depression going, God, really? Why? And now it's okay, God. I don't know why, but I'm going to trust you in this little storm. God, I don't know why you've allowed me to become so weak and tired and fatigued so fast, but God, I'm going to trust you because you know what? I ain't happy about it, but you're not going to take my joy. And the devil, I'm going to kick you right in the shorts. Come on. Because greater is he who's in me than he that is in the world. Consider your reactions, the pearls that come. God has a plan and God has a purpose. He'll use things in life to bring down the haughty or the proud. And he'll use other things to build up the humble. Because he gives grace to the humble. So if we humble ourselves in the mighty hand of God in due time, hey, we'll reap if we don't give up. We don't faint. We're not like the biggest loser who did all this work to come all this way to give up. Hey, don't quit. Count it all joy when you face it. And not only are we going to celebrate the reason or consider or calculate the results and call upon God's resources 
but we want to contemplate the result as well. Why? Because look at the evaluation part of this message in verse 12. It says, Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. Perseveres to come under. I could wow you with all my Greek that I know. But the, you're, you're just enduring under the hoopomeno of just, oh, like a bench presser just going, ooh. And trying with all his might to get out from under it. Hey, blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. The crown of life. That takes me back to a passage. Um, brain's not working. Oh, 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, I believe it is. Let me see. Yeah, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. It says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Hey, we're going to fight, folks. We're going to keep on fighting because the Lord is on our side. I've finished the course. He's already planned it for you. He knows it. He's a purposeful God. I have kept the faith. Hey, don't give in. Stay strong. In Christ, keep the faith. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial, receives a crown of life, an imperishable crown. You want to talk about a great gift, the greatest gift. When I stand and I'm going to cross that finish line into eternity, and I see my stepdad and my stepmom that I shared Christ with, and they passed into eternity soon after, I can't imagine getting there and then be waiting for me. And I see my Heavenly Father say, hey, welcome home, son. That Extreme Home Makeover TV show, it's popular for saying, welcome home, Nielsen family. Welcome home. But you want to know something? I'm going to get home to my palatial little palace. And I'm going to see all the folks that I was able to invest in. And I'm going to do life with them for eternity. No more pain, no more night. It's a party. Do you think I can endure for a short time? I know I can. God helping me. Contemplate the result. Because all is possible through Christ. All is possible. So let me ask you a question. We talk about trials and the things we need to do. God faced a big trial. When sin entered the world and we came here, he's a holy God who didn't want to look upon that. The Bible says for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. And we're all sinners Every one of us. Billy Graham's a sinner. Bill Clinton's a sinner. Monica Lewinsky's a sinner. George Bush, we're all sinners. Stan Givens, believe it or not, is a sinner. We're all sinners in need of a Savior. You've heard that verse, for God so loved. Have you ever so loved anything? Did you tell your wife this morning, I love you, or did you tell her, I so love you? When my little boy and my little girl were born, I looked at my wife and I said, wow, I'm sorry. She's like, what? Like she's thinking we got an ugly child that got my genes or whatever. No, I looked at her and I said, babe, I'm, I'm so sorry. Because I felt guilty. Because I love my wife. I'm so blessed. But when Josiah was born, I was like, wow. It's like this bigger love, this grander love. And I thought, I'm not supposed to love my son more than I love my wife. But there was something about it. And then when that little Miss America 2021 came into the world, little Leah Nicole, precious little tax deduction that she is, I was like, whoa, 
We're Ozzie and Harriet. We got a boy. We got a girl. And I got this precious little girl who's beautiful. I hear you, God. And imagine, wow. And I so loved my baby girl. Do you ever so love God? Have you ever been so loved? Have you ever just sensed when someone comes up and you're struggling, they just put your arms around and say, you know what? It's all right. You've just been down and discouraged and someone put your arms around and you felt security and sincerity. See, Jesus Christ was sincere when he died on a cross. You know, he could have called 10,000 angels, but he said, no, God, I got this because I know who my daddy is. I got it. So today, if you don't know the Christ of Christmas, the greatest trial that was ever endured was God sending his son, his only begotten, to die on a cruel cross for your sin and for mine. Because it says, for God so loved that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, that's you and that's me, would believe upon him should have eternal life. And that's something to celebrate. So something to consider today. You see, well, Dave, how, how can I do that? You see, you come on this Christmas, and maybe you've not been in church for a year because you come at Easter and you come at Christmas. I don't know. But you know what? God had a plan. He was born in a manger. Good Friday happened, and he went to a cross, but it didn't stop there. Easter, that he's risen. He's alive. You ask me how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. He's alive and well. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you on your behalf. I call it the spiritual alley-oop. You toss it up there, slam dunk every time. He's got your back. He wants you to win. He wants you to succeed. But you can't do it by yourself. That's why he said, hey, just come into me. Cast all your cares. I desire to take care of you. I love you. I so love you. If you believe in your heart that he died and rose again, for by grace you've been saved through faith, if you just yield to him, you see, it's not what you do. The Bible doesn't say behave to be saved. It says believe. Believe and call upon the name of the Lord. Walking an aisle, being dunked in a baptistry, that don't save you. Surrendering your life to Jesus Christ saves you. And then you want to become a mature and complete believer. And that's where this church gets involved. They don't want to just, you know, you become a Christian. They want you to become a follower. A growing disciple of Jesus Christ. How do you do that? You can't do it by yourself. That's why they're there to train you. The biggest losers don't show up and go, hey, here I am, exercise. No, there's a plan and a purpose. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Because you see, I ask you this question today. What can dead people do? Nothing. Nothing. Did you know the Bible said that you were dead in your trespasses and sin in Ephesians? Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and mind, were by nature children of wrath. We're dead in our sins. And I find in certain times of the year, especially this time, we want to anesthetize our pain. So we want to eat too much. We want to drink loaded beverages too much to try to camouflage and cover up our pain. But in the simplest form, we just carry it to the cross. Say, God, here am I. You want the greatest gift that you yield your life to Jesus Christ so you can truly enjoy a relationship with the Christ of Christmas. 
it's worth it.